the meat of the podcast. <laughs> have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shit feel like I won't ever make it home Graphics backed up, I got to get off of this road Hooked on the gas, I swear to God, I'm in my zone This is She's in Russia, I'm Smith and I live in Brooklyn I'm Lily and I am in St. Petersburg Today we are joined by Olya Polyakova Olya is joining me in St. Petersburg right now. And so Olya is a social entrepreneur and activist in St. Petersburg, from St. Petersburg, right? Yeah. And she creates, organizes, is generally involved with a number of social, cultural, and political projects, all of which are focused roughly on DIY life improvement, grassroots education, and generally helping people live more ethically and sustainably. She also has a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics and a master's in economics. You have my CV. I have her CV. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reading all his CV. It's just just a lot of, she's a very talented person, so I just wanted to get all of that in. That's it. Okay. Hi, Olya. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I want to say that I actually participated in one of Olya's projects before I knew who she was, which is Restaurant Day. And Restaurant Day is a few times a year, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's international thing. So I'm just local ambassador. And it happens in St. Petersburg, like in all the world, once in three months. And uh, now it's going to be like the 20th time. Like it's been already five years or so. Yeah, I was in Restaurant Day. I made bagels. And I didn't know Oli at the time, but I didn't know she was the ambassador. But I really loved that event. Restaurant Day was, it was, it's very cool. It's like pop-up restaurants all over the city. And yeah, it happens all over the world in different cities. Basically one day, anyone can open a restaurant, meaning you just like have a table and put and like sell food from it. Um, and people like do that in sort of like all different levels like from actual professional cooks to just like me literally making bagels in my kitchen and selling them and then I think I I can't remember exactly when I heard about you but I feel like one of my friends showed me your Instagram or something and was like this is a really cool person in the city and then I basically met Olia because she was hosting this amazing event instead of her birthday yeah celebrating birthday in a pleasant way yeah can you tell a little bit about what that yeah well actually i usually invite many people uh, for my birthday party and uh, we make kind of a conference when people have an an opportunity to speak for 10 minutes or so uh, to answer the questions how to be born as a human and not fuck up (laughs) and uh, the the case is that you either give the speech or you bring uh, a small donation or any uh, donation to one of the charitable foundations which uh, operate in St. Petersburg or in Russia. I give like the list of options and people donate. And then they come and then we have like maybe two or three hundred guests listening to the conference and it lasts like for six or eight hours and we usually take the location 
which um, hasn't been occupied yet with many events. It could be some new place. For example, this year it was the very new project on the bankment of, of Finnish Gulf, where people are doing, renovating and making a public space from the abandoned factory. And also, I think the important point is that the topic this year was the topic of freedom, because after the, after the arrest, I couldn't think about any other topics. Yeah, so I think our goal for today is, is to talk about three different things. The first is Olya's work, and we've talked about that a little bit, but we want to ask her more questions about that, specifically how it relates to helping people feel free. And then we're going to talk about sort of how people, and Olya specifically, have gone about documenting. And the reason we're bringing this up is we both read an essay that was written by Olia and your friend, right? Yeah, with, uh, with Joshua from my Canadian friend. Yeah, and it's basically a very detailed account of the arrest in June, along with this video that I mentioned that she and a friend of hers that were arrested at the same time made together of the detention center. And something that struck both me and Lily when we read it was like, oh, wow, like even at the time that you were like kind of going through this pretty like intense experience of being arrested and not exactly sure what's going to happen and going to court you were like doing your due diligence to document in like pretty great detail and so we kind of wanted to just like understand more what how you think about documentation when it comes to civil engagement. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is an item of news that a lot of people are talking about this week, which is Ksenia Subchak's announcement that she's going to run for president because okay the first topic that smith just introduced which is this concept of freedom in the city i read some article after you were arrested in which there was a quote from your court proceeding so it must have been your appeal when you had a chance to speak yeah yeah so i'll just read the quote it just says my work which isn't registered officially helps people feel free feel their right to this city feel not fear but freedom and those are all his words from during the court proceeding. He really struck me as like a very powerful statement. I guess my goal was just to like pick another one of your projects or like a specific event or something and just kind of like explain what you mean. Yeah, we can actually explain more about restaurant day as well, because I think it's like more is the easiest one when we um, see people cooking food and uh, doing something outside outdoors. Sometimes, of course, the restaurant day engages uh, people to do something inside in some friendly bars or in the cafes, but it's, it often happens really outdoors and uh, there is no like permission for all restaurant days from the authorities. They actually don't know much about the event. They don't understand what's the idea. And when we applied for any permissions or so, they really didn't know how can they do it because it's too complicated. It's related with food, mm -hmm. uh, with public space. And it was so many issues. So they couldn't just like sign something. So we were thinking, how can we do it? And we were just... Mm, thinking maybe we could just do it we're not actually doing anything bad outside of the city we just 
cook food we are just like um, partying with uh, random people who are coming around for the food so it's not um, something which we actually should ask to be permitted i mean it it is just something we should see as the opportunity to do really freely and it, it happens in our minds not really in the same time as we heard about restaurant days so It took time to understand this. Uh, and the first ideas of people who were thinking about the ideas, who heard from us about the idea of Restaurant Day, was the question about the police and about the permissions. So um, it was number one goal for us as well to work with this uh, food uh, festival, to work with the idea that we can just go out and do anything we want in the city. And it happened, it was not focused on any anything political so the government really didn't care much and all uh, situations where we were meeting the police on restaurant day like when for example some bar hosts people and they give electricity and people go outside on Nevsky Avenue and do pop-up restaurants there of course they meet the police but they actually usually solve it very fast like either they say we are just like partying or they go inside the bar quickly And then like in an hour they go out again and to continue doing what they were doing. People became really brave with this and this was like the very first idea. And the second idea is that, for example, some people who come, there are many people who are coming to the city. I actually came to the city 15 years ago myself, so I wasn't born here, but I feel myself now as a citizen uh, because I really interact with the city. For many people who come from other areas, from Russia, for example, sometimes they don't really feel the connection with the city, I think. And there was one community from Buryatia. Uh, it's like the big republic far away in Russia. And those guys, they came to St. Petersburg probably for university, but once they gathered... And they went to the central park, like Fotovrychesky Park. It's really very, very centralized. And they put a table just in the middle of the park and tried to feed people with their local food, with different pies, with different types of animals, which I probably don't really know. <laughs> and some crazy drinks as well. And uh, it was beautiful because I didn't ask for the permission. They came from like really um, the city, which is not, doesn't look like their own, their native place, but they felt themselves totally local in this moment. And uh, that's, I think, makes the connection and makes them feel really free in the new city, which makes them more maybe responsible for other issues in, in the city development. And about other cases, then we made the project Trava, like grass. It turned out to be grassroots education project, but we didn't know the terminology when we started. But <laughs> the, the, conveniently, yeah, the idea was that we will just make lectures in the park. Then we will make uh, some lectures about some issues we are worrying about the city, just near the context of the subject of what we're talking about. For example, once we were making the lectures about, there was a series of few lectures about information and there was one lecture about governmental propaganda and we were doing it just in front of the office, like not far from the office of uh, the um, centers of like propaganda where, where people work just making 
fake comments in the internet, oh. I don't know, shooting some uh, videos for YouTube to promote some ideas which 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 have nothing with the with the truly life, but which represent something that is uh, good for the government. Yeah, or for example, we were making once their lectures about homophobia and uh, discrimination, all the stuff in front of the barbershop, uh, which posted something on the doors, uh, on the website that they don't serve homosexuals, something oh, like okay. this. So we just went in front and we just were talking just in front of this barbershop. Well, sometimes it's like a bit aggressive from us maybe, but it's still fun. Yeah, I guess then we can we can talk about the next section of thing, which is like documentation and the arrest process. Lily, do you want to kind of introduce? Yeah. Yeah. Olia was one of hundreds of people arrested on June 12th for peacefully protesting because the protest was not sanctioned, right? Yeah, but the protest shouldn't be sanctioned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Protest shouldn't be sanctioned general, but like there are basically two categories of protests, the ones that the government says you can have and the ones that they say you can't have. And this was one of the unsanctioned ones. So basically like a bunch of riot police were there and just like rounded up people and put them in vans and arrested them. And Olia like has produced several documentations of her experience uh, going through this arrest process from the actual arrest to the court proceedings to the experience inside the detention center. I don't actually know how you translate that word, but like special, it's like... Spitzpriomnik in Russian. I don't know how it's... How it would I think it's detention center, but I don't know what that means to yeah, like it's, people. It's, it's, Smith, it's for people who, Jail, who kind of, break right? the law a little bit. Like, for example, if you drive, <laughs> if you drive um, drunk... Or if you, I don't know, steal something very, very small for the very first time from the shop and you don't get much long term, you get like 10 days or 20 days or 30 days or maximum 90 days of arrest and this is your place. Yeah, I don't think we really have an equivalent to that in the US, but I guess it'd sort of be like going to jail. It's like where you're taken when you're arrested. Yeah, so Olia was arrested for... 12 days on June 12th. Some of the immediate documentations that she did were, first of all, just posting on social media a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very important for people who get arrested by police. It's super important to post everything in your social networks because it makes it more safe and people just know where you exactly are and what's happening with you. So it was like the very first reason why we were posting it, of course. Like the second reason is, of course, to um, show the situation and to get some help from outside. But number one reason was just security reason. Yeah, so sorry. So just I didn't finish introducing, I guess, the topic. But like the topic is that we want to use this example to talk about how you document your experiences, especially in kind of like extreme circumstances. Because I just know personally, like if I was arrested, I feel like I would have a lot of like an emotional response of like fear and confusion. And my first impulse might not be to immediately start like writing things down or like writing 
a text for what I'm going to say in court or something like that. It seems like, yeah, it's really important. Smith, do you have, can you help me formulate like how we want to ask a question about this? Maybe, Olya, you could actually just talk about this video you made and explain why you made it and like what your mental state was at the point that you were making it. You mean the video blog? From the cell. Yes. Yeah, it was actually, I think the last thing we posted from the cell, it was, I think, on the sixth or seventh day when we were staying there, even earlier, maybe fourth day. And the idea was just to show our friends what's happening with us. Um, Actually, it is not really allowed to have a phone in the cell. They put me in the cell. They asked me to give them my phone and uh, all things, all valuable things. So I just gave them a solar panel <laughs> and I told that that's my phone. And I put my phone like deeply <laughs> in the clothes. They didn't search. They didn't check, like didn't touch me. So that's how I could really take it with me I think it was a bit like secret but we can we can speak it in English there was an opportunity to charge also in the cell uh, because there are some people who volunteer to bring the tea they have the access to the hot water that means they have the access to the electricity so they could charge the um, power banks Uh and from power banks you can charge because there's no outlets in... Of course, yeah, yeah. There is no nothing, no electronic devices are allowed in the cell in Russia. <laughs> so if that's the case. And we, nobody really have like the phone officially. So we couldn't post our video blog before we go out. We just sent to our friends some pictures, okay. some small videos. And we were shooting it for s- sending to our friends just to make them fun, like funny uh and uh to show that we are okay and that nothing bad is happening with us uh but we couldn't send it because it was like too big <laughs> so we were so upset because we were actually planning to do it like every day like shooting vlog, yeah. there was a lot to talk so we were upset that we couldn't send so we didn't shoot more and then when we were released i posted it in the internet and it was like extremely popular even though we were just thinking it's just a shitty video from the about our everyday details which were so boring for ourselves in the end uh, so when we were shooting it was like something very very simple and basic and uh, we wanted to show the details okay how do we sleep how do we eat how do we go to the bathroom <laughs> it's actually inside the cell so it's important to explain <laughs> as well i love that part <laughs> that part is like my favorite when they're like yeah the toilet and sink are in the cell and it's the two olia and her housemate like you guys yeah flatmate, flatmate yeah are both in the cell together and yeah they have like a system where when they want to use the bathroom they like turn on the water yeah to make the noise (laughs) (laughs) and you call wait remind me you say instead of like saying i'm going to the bathroom you say i'm going to listen to the sound of the water (laughs) (laughs) i love that i'm going to listen to the water (laughs) sorry i interrupted you continue yeah and so um, we were talking in the in the video about the rights of of the arrested person who were printed 
which actually we have a lot of rights and they don't um, explain them much until you ask for them mm-hmm. because it's their obligation. So uh, it was the idea that you actually, we have to know more and learn more about the rights. What can we actually apply for? Because they have, in the case when it's a little bit public arrest, when we post a lot, when there are a lot of coverage in the media, they send a lot of checking organizations. I don't know, some of us organizations which check how we are doing our governmental. Some of them are more like informal. There could be like some people who check. And so those people also check if all of your rights are... Yeah, and also if you know about all of them. So it's good to know, like, you can apply for many things, like for shower and medicine and this and that. Um, It's really important to know. And also we wanted to show that it's not like the end of life. You can survive there. You can actually, like, read books. And somehow the food is not that bad. And you can chill there. Some people make fun of us, like that we are not in the jail, we are in some, I don't know, in some camping, (laughs) some summer camp. (laughs) In the video, it looks like really nice in there. You guys are just like, there's a bunch of food that your friends have sent you, right? And then it's a pretty small room, but there's like the beds, there's like a little dividing shelf area, and then the toilet on the other side. No shower, just a sink, right? No, no, you have to either to ask or they they can give you a shower like a couple of times in a week or so. But actually, there, there is hot water and you have a sink so you can wash yourself easily mm-hmm. there inside. Was there one text or one book or something that was particularly important during that time? Or did you just like, I don't know. I'm just curious what you were reading. Somebody brought me the book about one uh, Moscow deputy. She was arrested and put in real prison for being the opposition deputy and there was like a fabrication uh, for her and she was put in real prison with really like hell hellest conditions so she spent like a year there and uh, the whole process was very secret and nobody was speaking about it much it was a good book to read about the whole like situation in russia about the courts about the prisons because we were like in really easy can like the situation was not that horrible despite we were just arrested but it could be like really worse and uh, being aware of what's going on it's uh, it's also a good idea i think one last question i have about the arrest, you have a line in that essay where you're just like, oh, things look, you know, much more complicated up close than they do from afar. And I think one of the like compelling anecdotes that kind of is throughout that essay is you talking about like the relationship to the guards or the police and, you, and you're very like empathetic about their plight. Like you bring up the fact that they're not paid particularly well and like they have families that they need to feed also and that they're like forced to vote for Putin, but many of them will like do tricks in order to not actually mark his name on the ballot. And I was just curious, you mentioned like talking to the guards in the detention center and I was curious what kind of conversations you had with them. It all depends on people. I would say that in the police there were some people who were actually not really happy happy with, with what was happening to us 
And for example, we were very free to go from time to time to smoke outside of the police center. So, and they were full of trust to us that we will not run away or something like this. Pretty same with the center where some of the employers were really like very easy with us and they didn't understand why are we there. They, probably they have never seen people in their in their center would have so much food and books and would behave so strangely actually we started to recycle there to separate our trash <laughs> like to wash plastic and i think they had never ever seen like freaks like this <laughs> in the center recycling freaks <laughs> yeah so some so many of people were really open to talk and we were chatting about how they do how they deal with the low salary what are they actually doing we shared some food with them it was just like maybe half or even in the center it was most of employers they were pretty normal and pretty okay but in the police and um, there were also some security police who were taking us to the court in the middle of the term for the appellation, like when I appeal that my arrest was not like... For the appeal. I don't think, I don't know what the other word would be. Just for the appeal. Yeah, yeah. it's like when 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 I'm, I'm already inside the, um, the jail and then I appeal that it's not fair and th- there is another court to, to see if it's maybe not fair. It's in the middle of the term of the arrest. Okay. So for this court, I was bringing there with, uh, by the police there and uh, from there back to the jail. And the police was really behaving like horrible. Uh, they were so, I don't know, xenophobic and, I don't know, homophobic and do and very abusive. Well, actually, I took the bag with me, with my documents. It was a bag from Berlin Gay Bar. It was like the dick with the wings. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, it was homopathic on it. So like the the police was so excited with this they were like they were so they get so immediately crazy when they saw the bag so we had with them like the really abusive conversation from both sides and I was making fun on on them but then they were really aggressive with me they didn't touch me of course but they were like joking in a very offensive way mm. and it was not pleasant at all the essay you sent us, you're going to publish eventually, right? Or it's already published? The article. The article. It's actually, it was written for some magazine, but they, they didn't take, we, we sent it a little bit late, so uh, they didn't tell any, anything to us about it, so it's not published yet. And I don't know if we t- will be published. Maybe we will just once one day publish it, like in, I don't know, just openly. Yeah. If it is published, we'll definitely post it. Did you want to just talk about the checklist real quick? Yeah, yeah, I did. In addition to articles and social media and this video blog from inside the cell, Olia also wrote a checklist. You mean the article with the checklist for the prison, for the protest? For the protester. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, made uh, it for the for the next like protest for the people who will uh, go there. October October seventh, which we actually talked about on um, one of our last episodes, when there was a big, again like Russia wide protest, specifically in support of Navalny running for president in two thousand eighteen, and Olya posted this 
checklist of like how to prepare yourself for this protest and yeah I just like saw it on her Facebook page and read it and it's just like a really extremely useful practical kind of guide to everything from just like mentality um, also just like thinking about why you're going to a protest um, and then to like extremely specific sort of recommendations for like what to wear what to bring what to write people like to inform your friends that you're doing this just all sort of in the case that you might be arrested especially because for this protest as we also mentioned before people before the protest happened there was sort of like a general understanding that like this is going to be a lot of arrests though it wasn't as many as people thought but well uh, it was not many people on the protest that's why there was not many arrests okay. but the percentage was actually bigger because it was oh. around uh, 1800 or maybe 1,500 people, it was really small, the protest, but it was 100 people who were arrested. They were released more easy, but uh, some of them are in jail right now still, because some of them get more days, because they had already took part in other protests. And uh, like one girl had really big trauma with her head, because the police was like really brutal with her. So it was less cases but there was less participants and only this is why there were less problems okay okay i see i guess i'm kind of interested in hearing like what motivated you like other than just to help people like what what were you thinking about when you decided to write the checklist yeah i think it's uh, it it is really helpful because i would like to know all the stuff and to do to plan it a little bit better when before i was going because like i didn't ha- i didn't have anything any meetings or anything to do for the evening and for the next day but i didn't plan like i will be away for 12, 12 days. days yeah and i have a lot of tasks and the projects and uh, it was really cool for me that i had a lot of friends who were just coming immediately and helping but it was not an easy job for them i think because I could only make the records on my phone and send them. And so my friends, there was a chat and they had to listen to all of my, um, like the tasks or what to do. And it would be way easier if I had it written before somehow. Mm. Would be really way more helpful, especially like some really necessary issues like with the money, how to gather money to help you. For example, you really will need money for the lawyer and for paying like the fine if you will be fined. So so I just want to make the life easier for the friends of those people who could be arrested. It also but was a part about telling the story because I feel that I was like one of maybe 10 or so people whose stories were heard and there were 700 people in general. And um, my story and my desire to tell it was has really a lot of advantages for me because first of all I was really safe because everybody many people were calling every day in the center in the police everywhere they were asking how am I feeling and I know I was really sure that nobody will like touch me and it was actually helpful. Second reason is that I really gathered a lot of money, around maybe $2,000, so I could hire the good lawyer to pay them, and they were working with my case. And I know that even with the work of lawyer, for it didn't help me to be like 
released earlier or to have my fine like cancelled it didn't help but it helped a lot to cover the situation in the media in a proper way from the point of law so my lawyer gave a couple of interviews to explain my ideas of actually freedom in the city uh, in the language of current laws and uh, the human rights and all the things it was really I think important so it was a big advantage to work with them and to give the information in this way. So I think that if people would be, feel themselves free to tell more about themselves, they will be really okay <laughs> there inside. So And also it's important just to show the face of the protest, the face of people who go outside and the reason to speak about the reasons they go, because there could be some stereotypes about protesters in general in the world like there are maybe some that they, they are not oftenly seen as peaceful people and when we think about the protests sometimes we have the image of something brutal and something aggressive and also uh, for those people who wonder who are these guys we go into the protests probably only like people who get paid for it or some stupid I don't know students or somehow they say like this so it's important to show who actually go and what are you doing and who you are and what's your job and why you're going there what you actually want to say and also it is like the last reason to talk is that the arrest is the act from the government to silence you and so telling the history publicly is actually something that is the opposite that is the opportunity to talk still all right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Subchak. Nella Pete pooped on my pepperoni pizza. Crack kills if it don't get your white will. Crack kills if it don't get your white will. Crack kills if it don't get your white will. Crack kills if it don't get your white will. Yeah, got the flavor like a water ice. Water. Fuck with the grade, take your daughter life. Bye. That's how the rice with the vegetable. Boy, acting like a bitch, that's a transsexual. Point the head out like a decimal. Your funeral's more like a festival. I'm always right, it is legible. I'ma let them know that all these rap niggas is edible. Uh, whack, she be snapping them short. They get the black and tell the roll the carpet out, cause I'm looking for my ladder. You acting like you a rapper who wanted to be an actor, but really you are an actor pretending to be a rapper. Don't play no games, I know you're lame. My flow don't change, she's oh so strange. I'm sick when I'm rapping, you bitch when you're rapping. The queen be the captain, I shit you're a napkin when I'm out of tissue. Niggas hating and it's not an issue. They say, what you been, girl, I gotta get you. On my song, man, I need me a feature. I don't like you, and I hope you don't like me neither. Bottom like Griffin, they talk about beater. Nigga wanna get the sauce, I deliver your pizza. The third topic is is mostly about Ksenia Subchak, but I guess yeah, I guess I can just introduce who Ksenia Subchak is, and then you guys can correct me if if I'm characterizing her incorrectly. I didn't know who she was until this week, and so yeah, I just don't like have a really good sense of her as a person. She's pretty young. She's in her mid-30s. She's the daughter of the first democratically elected mayor of St. Petersburg. And earlier in her career, she was like kind of just like a media person. She was a host of this reality television show. But then I would say like since 2011, 2012, she's like slowly become more publicly politicized. I mean, I'm sure she had like her own political beliefs prior to that. And one of the notable things along that is she had a 
TV show that had one episode um, in which she interviewed two leading opposition leaders that were not often put in the mainstream. And that television show was canceled after that first episode. She's been like publicly, like I could find instances of her being publicly anti-Putin. She's not a politician though, so she doesn't have like full statements on legislation she wants to pass or anything like that. And she doesn't have like a history of maybe like certain political beliefs in the same way that a politician would. But the reason that she's come up is this past week, she announced her candidacy for president. And the way she introduced it is as the against all candidate. And the against all choice is like something I looked at briefly It used to be on the ballot in Russia as a way of signaling that you are against like all proposed candidates. So in using herself as like the against all candidate, it's basically like saying like, yes, I'm voting for Subchak because I am against Putin or against the other people that are on the ballot. But like, you know, Putin is obviously the only viable candidate. And the response to this has been mixed but usually they portray her she was often called like the Paris Hilton of Russia which like as far as I can tell isn't like a super accurate description because she has more like journalistic leanings than Paris Hilton does but the response to her a lot has been like referring to her as a socialite and like bringing up her connection with Putin because her father was Putin's mentor and sort of claiming, and this may or may not be true, that the Kremlin is simply using her as a way to divert attention from Navalny and to kind of split the liberal base while, you know, parading under the banner of a legitimate election. Does that seem like a fair introduction? You said something like she's more journalistic or something than Paris Hilton. (laughs) Like, the main thing about her, at least for her work for the past like many years, is that she's a journalist and she's specifically an anchor um, on TV. When I heard that she was running for presidency or announced her candidacy, like I saw these headlines in English and in Russian sometimes mentioning like this socialite status, and I was really confused because like I only know her as a journalist, or like I think of her as a journalist. Does she work for Dost like yes. all the time? Yeah, Dost, which is TV Rain. She's also, as I'm reading from Medusa, the editor of the journal La Official. Which is like a f- fashion magazine, right? I don't know. That's kind of interesting that they introduced her like that because, yeah, like it's mostly people think of her as this as a TV journalist anchor. Um, and a couple of other things I just want to point out about the introduction to her is that she's from a old Petersburg like intelligentsia family she's like extremely highly educated it just makes me upset to hear these comparisons with like Paris Hilton or like any social sort of sort of like Kardashian any like socialite celebrity who's only famous because their you know parents are famous or something Subchak he's sort of a controversial figure he was the mayor of St. Petersburg Putin worked for him he's not just Putin's mentor Putin actually worked for him in his office but he like is known as like yeah this like democratic figure but actually maybe was more traditionally soviet than some people like to say and then the last thing i want to say and then i'll let olia comment <laughs> is that you mentioned the against all she's like the candidate against all 
And it indeed used to be the case on all ballots that there was like, you know, the names of the people who are running and then there's a checkbox for like no one basically, which is the against all box. That was taken away from the ballot under Putin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh, like recent, recent change. Yeah. So and that's a problem because that is a very important box. It shows that like you show up to vote, but you are not happy with any of the choices that you're given rather than not voting at all. And I really think that is an important distinction, um, which she, Ksenia Subchak, uses very well in her for her platform. She, she basically announced her candidacy via this video that's like really well produced where she's just explaining that like she's tired of like the establishment politics, p politicians, these same, not only Putin, but these same like tired characters like Zhinirovsky or... Zhirinovsky, Zuganov, everybody who like who is the candidate for all the time. Yeah, they've just been running for literally 20 years. <laughs> She's like, fuck all of you. Like, I'm like not that. I'm anything that that isn't, basically. Yeah, I think it's it's really pretty complicated case to explain for the foreigners who is actually Sobchak and why there is so much you know, discussion about it. Maybe it's more... It's more important to focus not on her personality, but on the case that there is like the second opposition candidate in Russia, which is like pretty surprising and uh, which is which wasn't really expected by many people that it was everybody was ex expected for the battle between uh, Navalny, maybe and Putin. And we are not really talking about any other candidates at all at all. Even though anybody like who has who fits the conditions of the age and uh, nationality can be the president, and I think this is the most important thing that we actually have, like somebody else on the political specter, and also she is the one who maybe involves people who read something about fashion or some her some of her interviews with somebody she could involve them into into political discourse in general i mean this is like something important and i think it was a question of money if she finds somebody to 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 finance the whole campaign and i feel like she, it was finally solved the question Uh, so I think it's like we uh, we are lucky to have some variety, which will may which may not be the variety for the real choice still, but which would be like the variety of discussion at least. Now we have not only Navalny and his arrests and everything like this, but also we have something else to discuss on the elections, which is like super important for the for the young democratic country i think now yeah first of all more people there's like an expanded conversation and like it's really not a fact that navalny is actually going to run in 2018 so she's more of sort of like certain as a candidate right mm, i don't know it, it's it's pretty obvious that none of them would would want the election no but but even run i mean Navalny might not even be able to Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how they will act now because the European uh, Human Rights Court, they actually, like the, some, some of European courts, they forced the government to give him the chance to apply the, for the, to, to be the candidate. I don't know if, if they are actually legally allowed not to let him do it. I mean, 
it's not it's as it has been the decision won by the lawyers in last week that he's actually the European court told that he like they have to register him somehow but i don't think it will be um, very dangerous for the for the current government i feel it's not the term of one year to change the whole opinion of the whole country <laughs> and to make people vote and i mean they have way more instruments to make the elections to fabricate some results to make the elections unfair and even if some areas we will have the independent observers to observe how the election goes, it will never ever happen on the Caucasus area, like in Chechnya, there will be no re- no chance for observation. So there will be still many, many areas who will vote for, the, for, for Putin and for current government. I mean, uh, it would be cool if the European court will find, or somebody else would find, fourth term of Putin really illegal it's like more crime than more, more problem that the problems with Navalny that they have to register him but I, I don't really think that it will like change change much this year that this year will change much okay. and she's uh, pretty pretty feminist in her views so I mean it's it's also very important because before uh, even the face of opposition was a bit abusing to the women. <laughs> I mean, Navalny didn't have the even like the respectful position, I would say, in this question when the feminists asked him about the feminist issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's also super important to see the women as a candidate as well. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at She's in Russia. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes or any other podcasting platform. Subscribe to our newsletter that comes out once a month and is picture-based. You can do that at she'sinrussia.com. If you have any questions related to Russia, related to daily life, anything you want to know, give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 347-292-7126. And thanks, Olya, for coming on. I'm sorry that I couldn't hear you super well, but what I could hear was interesting and I'm excited to go back and edit it so I'll actually get to hear it. I thank you so much for inviting me. Can you tell people where they can find you maybe in the internet? Yeah, but it's in it but in English it's it's really hard. I mean it's mostly in Russian, so But just in case. Yeah, in case the best thing is Instagram, <laughs> I think, because there are pictures, not only Russian words and it's polyako, polyako.